Do you get as much out of religion as you put in? Maybe you're making bad investments. Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Frieden. Today we are on page 80 of Tractate Xubis, and we learn the importance of a regular cost-benefit analysis, also known as a cheshbonah nefesh, an accounting of the soul. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my chavrissa today. I like to begin with a story. We all know the famous one about the fellow whose boat capsizes in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Despite all attempts at search and rescue, he is nowhere to be found, and everyone assumes the worst. Three years later, a ship is passing by a desert island in the Mediterranean, and they see a man desperately trying to get their attention. Lo and behold, it's the fellow whose boat capsized. He appears to be in good health, and has even managed to build himself a modest home in another couple of buildings. Who are those houses for? The captain of the ship asks him. Oh no, replies the fellow, they're not homes. I've built myself two synagogues. Two synagogues, the captain exclaims. Whatever would you need two synagogues for? Surely one would suffice. You're only one person. Well, my friend, says the man smugly, that's the one I pray at. The other one, I would never step foot in. Let's look at today's Gemara. Says the Gemara, there was once a woman who inherited 400 zuz in Bechazai. Her husband set out to claim the money, but laid out 600 of his personal funds for travel expenses as he brought back the 400. On the way home, he needed a zuz, which he took from the money that he had collected. He came before Rabbi Ami for a ruling. He said to him, what you spent, you spent, and what you ate, you ate. Let's analyze the Gemara. In this story, it was nice of the husband to go off traveling to fetch the inheritance money for his wife, but he spent more in the process than he actually collected. What was the point of that? Clearly not much of a businessman. He failed to perform a cost-benefit analysis prior to setting out on his journey. Every decision we make in life entails a cost-benefit analysis, or at least it should. Unfortunately, most of the time we tend to jump into what sounds like a good idea without considering whether the cost might outweigh the benefit. Sure, it's wonderful to attend charity dinners every night, but if that means you're never spending time with the family, how charitable are you really acting? Sure, it's great to attend 20 classes a week, but if that means one never has the time to review what you've learned, how much have you accomplished? Every night before going to sleep, one should make a cheshbon hanefesh, which means an accounting of the soul, who roughly translates to a personal cost-benefit analysis. Ask yourself, what spiritual investments did I make today? Were they worth the effort that I put in? Ideally, we should subject ourselves to this self-analysis each day. And then, during the month of Elul, as we approach Rosh Hashanah the New Year, we should perform a similar cost-benefit analysis for our accomplishments over the course of the past year. And at the end of these daily and annual assessments, if you discover that you've invested more in terms of time and effort than you've gotten out of it, it's time to be honest with yourself and reassess the best way to maximize results. Practically speaking, how does this cost-benefit analysis work? Let's say you feel like patting yourself on the back because you sat through a Torah class today. Well, out of the hour-long class, how much were you paying attention? Could you have accomplished more if you'd learnt with a study partner, a chavrusa, instead? Or conversely, do you find yourself chatting half the time when you're meant to be learning with your chavrusa and perhaps attending a class would be more productive in terms of the use of time? Let's say you went to synagogue to daven this morning like a good Jew. Did you pray at the right minion for you? Or was it too fast or too slow, too soft or too loud? 
Sure, you get heavenly marks simply for praying at the minion, but if you can't honestly demonstrate to yourself that the time was well spent, you're not achieving your full potential in life. Or maybe you're pushing your kid in a certain educational direction that you think is a good idea, but they're overwhelmed and almost drowning. You have to ask yourself whether you're truly helping them, whether all the stress that you're causing will truly pay off, or whether they should consider an alternative path of action. We have to think about cost-benefit with our institutions as well. Sometimes we keep a synagogue or a school or another charity going just because we've invested so much into it. But most institutions have a use-by date. And a frequent cost-benefit analysis ensures that we're acting responsibly with communal funds. Let's say, for example, that a demographic shift has caused a depletion in the number of Jews living in the neighborhood. It's tempting to want to continue the struggle for the daily minion and the satisfaction of knowing that we've kept the synagogue's doors open, but maybe the area no longer needs two synagogues. Has it ever crossed your mind that your dedication to keeping both institutions alive is directing community funding away from more pressing needs? While we all chuckle at the story of the fellow who was washed up on the desert island and built two synagogues, unfortunately, it's no joke. It's something that happens all too often in our communities. Obviously, two synagogues for one person makes no sense. But does it make sense to have two synagogues for 20 people, 50 people, 100 people? Why? While we certainly have many more people to pray in the multiple synagogues than our lone survivor, most of the time a single synagogue would probably suffice in a neighborhood. Not only would it suffice, but it would thrive. For a number of years, I served as the rabbi of Hampstead Garden Suburb Synagogue in London, a synagogue with over 1,200 families. It's a real Kiddush Hashem. It's a sanctification of heaven when so many diverse kinds of people can put aside their differences and, and pray under one roof. More pooled resources mean a greater wherewithal to offer excellent programs, afford top rabbinic leadership and other staff members, and maximize the youth energy in the building. Not to mention the fact that we are enjoined to pray with as many people as possible because the larger the crowd, the more we glorify the Supreme King of Kings. You wouldn't keep investing time and effort in a business venture that's not working. Cost-benefit analyses must be performed in every aspect of your life, including your spiritual life. May you merit maximizing your growth by constantly assessing everything that you do and investing in the behaviors that will bring the most positive energy into your life. Wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the Duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe to achieving a life of simcha and purpose. Transform your life today. The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, the Transformative Daf. Yeah.